Texaco Star Theater. More than 45,000 Texaco dealers from coast to coast welcome you to an hour of mirth and melody. With our star comedian, Fred Allen. Kenny Baker and Portland Hoffer. Our guest, Anthony Polamani, Major Bowles Amateur of the Month. The Martins and Al Goodman's Orchestra. Gentlemen, 1941 may come and 1940 may go, but we bring you a man who just goes on and on and on Jimmy. and on and on and on and on. And, on. Mr. Wallington. and here he is, ready to go on and on, Fred Allen in person. Thank you. Thank you, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Excuse me, Mr. Wallington, but now, look, since we are starting a, a, a new year... Don't you think that at least you might have opened the program with a little enthusiasm? Hmm. I should get steamed up about the new year after the shortchanging I got in this program in 1940. Well, you mean this program owes you something from the old year? Yes, Mr. Allen, three lines. Three very funny lines of mine were deliberately eliminated in 1940. Well, why should three lines of yours be cut out of the script? Because I'm a little too funny for your own comfort, Mr. Allen. Oh, <laughs> Brother. And I do not mean as a relative. Now, last week, you weren't going to say another word, Mr. Wallington. Uh, uh, you're, this is getting monotonous to me. Are you mad enough to make that same gesture this week? No. Tonight I'll talk. Oh, tonight you'll talk. Yeah, but I won't be amusing. You won't be amusing. No. Jimmy, you are as funny to me as a slow leak in an oxygen tank. Oh, Yeah. I'll bet you're still afraid to put my three lines to the test. Well, who's afraid? Have you got them with you? Right here. All right. Now, what lines of yours, uh, you, you say, what lines were maliciously deleted? Well, on October the 9th, 1940, I didn't say... What? Hello, Fred. I'm having trouble finding a wife. 
All the women I meet are single. That's, uh... Now, just read the lines. Don't contort your features, then. <laughs> Give the lines a fair chance to expire. <laughs> All right. Now, that was the first one you say was taken out. That's right. Now, November the 6th, this was cut. Yes. Hello, Fred. I just lost my wristwatch. I knew it looks good. Uh, that's two. And on December the 18th, 1940, this line was purposely deleted. Which one? Hello, Fred. Do you need many men to start a tug of war? Nope. Only takes a couple of jerks. <laughs> I didn't see what you did, but you did something there. Yes, you did. You did something besides just tell that thing. Well, well, now you know why. Why, though, you did something with your shoulder blade. I'm not around there, but something went on. But uh, you threw out your chicken breast in reverse and laid the egg uh, in the opposite direction. Well, now you know why those lines were cut out. Well... That balances our account, Mr. Wallington. And so we turn to the news of the week. OFA. Oh, yes, Kenny. As long as you're straightening out your books for 1940... Oh, Kenny, don't tell me the program owes you lines from last year, too. Oh, no, F.A. According to my books, I owe the program. You owe the... Yeah, on December 11th, I stumbled over a line and had to repeat four words of it. I'm four words over. So? So I'm unbalanced. Balance me, F.A., well, well, Kenny, here's a line of yours coming up in the script that just happens to be four words long. It's an answer to a question of mine. Yes? Now, I'll ask you the question, and, and you don't answer, see? And that'll square us. Okay. Let me have it. Here goes. Uh, uh, how was your concert? Was it a big success in Walla Walla? Fine. Now, that makes us even, <laughs> With Kenny and our books balanced, we turn to the latest news of the week. The Texaco News presents its highlight from the world of news. New York City, New York. Tonight, January 1st, 1940, 1941. I'm a year behind myself. But what's a year to a joke in radio? A year. <laughs> Tonight, January 1st, 1941, the Texaco News bears its editorial head in tribute to the year 1940, which departed this life at midnight. Newspapers, newsreels, and other radio programs have brought you the highlights of 1940. The Texaco News gives you the lowlights. Tonight, we parade before you a frowsy group of stagnant nobodies <laughs> whose unimportant didos during the past year can only be classed as stumbles in the march of time. Now, the first low-light award for non-essential activity in radio goes to Dittmar Wink. What was your contribution to radio, Dittmar? I broke the 1940 record for sending in box tops. Well, congratulations. I sent in 30,000 box tops. Why? It was that stumble contest. What in the world is Stumbo? It's some powder that fizzes. It oxidizes your stomach. Well, I... I've heard of alkalizing. Well, this is oxidizing. It gives your stomach fresh air. Well, is that, uh, is that necessary? Oh, sure. Your stomach is in there hanging in the dark. It can't get no fresh air. Oh. Yeah, Stumbo takes care of that condition. <laughs> 
I see. And what was this uh, Stumbo contest? If you sent in 30,000 Stumbo box tops, they sent you a neon hall tree. A... <laughs> a neon hall tree? Yeah, it keeps you from tripping over it in the dark. Say, it must be beautiful lit up. Yeah. It looks like the skeleton of a pear tree on fire. Well, tell me, you're ambidextrous, aren't you? I just noticed. You read on either side. <laughs> well, tell me, how, uh, how, uh, uh, how did you ever, co- how did you ever collect the 30,000 Stumbo box stops? I was taking Stumbo every 10 minutes, 24 hours a day. Well, has it improved the condition of your stomach? How should I know? Well, it's your stomach. Not no more, it ain't. Well, how come? They got it in a bottle at the Mayo Clinic. Thank you very much. I hope you join it in the near future, Mr. Dittmar. A low-light award for work in the field of science goes to Professor Phoenix Trad. What was your accomplishment, Professor Trad? I astounded science by splitting the atom. You split the atom? Well, how did you do it, Professor? Oh, it was an accident, really. What happened? Well, I was in... What happened? I was in my laboratory. Yeah. I, uh... I had the atom in my hand. I was fooling around with it. Yes? I happened to drop the atom. And? The darn thing split. Congratulations. Fame is just an accident, don't you think? Well, I doubt if I shall ever know. But thank you for the inquiry, Professor Phoenix Dredd. A low-life award for achieving fame in New York Cafe Society goes to Colonel Magnus Creep. How old are you, Colonel? Well, I'm uh, 82. Uh, and Cafe Society cited you? Yes, I got the loving cup right here. At 82, you won this loving cup in a contest? How did it happen? Well, sir, I was sitting around a night spot down in the village one night looking at the floor show and wishing. Wishing what? Wishing I was 40 years younger. Oh, yeah, couples with jitterbug in the band was jiving. The waiter tells me I'm wanted on the phone. And? I cut through the couples to get to the phone. Yes? Right in the middle of the dance floor, I throw a fit. Yes? My legs fly up. I get two strokes and a chill. I'm shaking and jumping. First thing I know, I'm in the chandelier. Did they send for a doctor? No, no. They pulled me down from the chandelier and presented me with this here loving cup. It's engraved. And what does that inscription say, Colonel? To the oldest jitterbug to jit in 1940. Well, thank you, Colonel Magnus Tree. No, no, it's perfect. Oh, no, no, wait. We haven't any chandeliers here. You'd have to fake it on the, on the ceiling. But the woman who had the most trouble in 1940 was Miss Dora Dream. What misfortune befell you, Miss Dream? It's just been one calamity after another all year. You poor thing. What happened? Well, first I was hit by a bus. I had eight operations. Dear then me. my mother set herself on fire. Oh. The next day a loan shark put my father in jail. Mercy. And next the fellow I was going to marry was shot coming up the aisle by a traveling salesman. Oh. And yesterday the oil stove exploded and killed Grandma and Grandpa and tomorrow... I'm going to be run over by a taxi cab. Oh, now, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, just a minute, Dora. You've had a lot of trouble. How do you know the trouble you're going to have? I'm in radio. I work on all of them daytime serial shows. Oh, condolences. And an unhappy New Year, Miss Dora Dream. 
The outstanding 1940 musical faux pas recorded at Carnegie Hall was committed by Herman Lick. You are a member of the symphony orchestra, Herman? Nah, I've been playing with Solid Sam and his seven senders. It's a swink a patient combo. Well, how did you ever get into Carnegie Hall? I filled in for a guy. It's a cornet job. Oh, did you find the symphony music difficult? Yeah. The voice number is a company in some opera tenor. I'm Toyd Cornet. Only got two notes to play. Oh, all through the tenor solo? All through it, I'm playing the same two notes. Well, how do you mean? I'll show you. I got me horn right here. Oh, fine. See, in this guy's solo, the orchestra goes... Yes. Then the third cornet plays... This goes on all night? By the hour. The orchestra goes, and I play. Well, it must be monotonous. For the third cornet, brother, it's murder. Yeah, that's what caused me trouble. What? Well, for about an hour, it's the same thing. And what happened at the end of the hour? Well, I must have dozed off. I dream I'm back playing with solid Sam. Yeah? McHugh came. And what did you play? <laughs> what, um, and what happened? Well, the tenor fainted. Two dowagers started a kong in the aisles. It was pandemonium. Uh, are you still playing? Yeah, I'm playing tonight. You're playing third cornet at Carnegie Hall? No, I'm playing pinochle in the union club room. Well, <laughs> Herman Lick. And now... Now, for his first song of 1941, Kenny Baker has consulted his Gilbert and Sullivan library, and from the Mikado, Kenny sings, A Wandering Minstrel Eye. Of ballad songs and snatches And dreamy lullabies My catalog is long Through every passion ranging And to your humors changing I tune my subtle song I tune my song Oh, 
Arctic sentiment is wanted. I take the Arctic ballast cut and dry. For wherever country's banner may be planted, all of the local banners are defied. Our warriors in serried ranks assemble. Never quail or they conceal it if they do. And I shouldn't be surprised if nations tremble before the mighty troops, the truth of T.T.Poo. We'll heave the capstan rod With the yo-heave-ho for the wind is free Her rank is a trip and her helm's a leap Hugs off the homeward bound <laughs> To lay aloft in a howling breeze May tickle a landsman's taste But the happiest star of sail or seas Is when he's down at an inland town With his immense on his knees Yo-ho! I just saw something here, a low-light award, ladies and gentlemen, we overlooked uh, during the Texaco News, and it goes to the worst poet of 1940, Elizabeth Barrett Sagging. What sort of verse do you create, Miss Sagging? I'm sorry. Automobile epics, mostly. Mm -hmm. I'm known as the puncture-proof poetess. Mm -hmm. The work I'm reading tonight is called A Fool There Was. Well, that sounds like Kipling. Purely coincidence. I've never kippled. Well, <laughs> neither have I. We have something in common. Well, uh, uh, might we hear your poem? Oh, indeed. A fool there was, and he had a car, even as yours and mine. He loved its ignition, its shatterproof glass. But what was this car that he thought had such class? Just gears and a seat and a gallon of gas, even as yours and mine. Well, thank you very much. Just it... gears and a seat and a gallon of gas, even as yours and mine. Well, just a minute, madam. Uh, we, we get the idea. To seep through, you'll be happy to know. A car is just gears and a seat and a gallon of gas. Am yes, Fred, right? we get the idea, but it's a mistaken idea. There's more to a car than that. Can you prove that assertion, Larry? Yes, indeed, Fred. Because there is more to a car than meets the eye. More to it than its streamlined body, its big, powerful-looking motor. In fact, it's often the little things you can't see that make a difference. Like the way a car responds, the feel of it on the highways, on the hills, and in traffic. And there's where the flexible power of SkyChief, Texaco's different premium gasoline, can give your driving a lift, add a new thrill. You'll find it a luxury to step into your car 
and enjoy Sky Chief Power sweeping you over the hills or getting you through traffic. But when you check the mileage, you'll agree Sky Chief is one driving luxury you can afford. Try Sky Chief at your Texaco dealer at the usual premium price. Thank you. going to snap at somebody, Maestro. Maestro... <laughs> Maestro Goodman and his 18 characters in search of a downbeat have just played Frenesee. It's not the first time on the air, is it, uh, Mr. Goodman? Oh, thank you. I just wanted to check up Frenesee. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we... again with the door. Always the door on me. That's radio today. It's either a quiz or it's somebody knocking on a door. Persistent, isn't he? I have a good mind not to let him in just to see. Come in. 
Excuse me, how can I get out of here? Well, you can get out through that door you just came in. Oh, yeah. Thank you. It's that new 6th Avenue subway. People are cupping up in buildings all over town. <laughs> they don't know how to get in or out of it. I heard about a man at, uh, at the Radio City Music Hall. He went down to the smoking room, stepped through a door. The next thing he knew, it was Queens Plaza. <laughs> And one of those, uh, one of those trees on 6th Avenue started dying during the past week. The mayor put his uh, sandhog hat on and went down, went down through the grating to see what the trouble was. And he found that the tree's roots were gone. The roots had gotten on a 6th Avenue local and were growing downtown. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, hello, Portland. I didn't... Uh, hello. Well... Say, you, uh, you look nice and chipper to start 1941. Yes, I guess nearly everybody is under the weather after celebrating last week. Uh, last week? Oh, I mean last night. Yes. <laughs> Time goes quickly enough here while we're here on Earth without you kicking it away in the script there. Uh, do you want to try it over? Uh-huh. Well, I guess nearly everybody is under the weather after celebrating last night. Yes. Well, <laughs> yes, uh, after celebrating last night. Yes, there are so many, so many people at, uh, at home with big heads around the country today. You know, they changed the whole radio routine. Uh, how do you mean? Well, instead of Bulova going on the air every half hour today, Alka-Seltzer has been broadcasting every 15 minutes. <laughs> What is your uh, rehearsed rush? Oh, I'm taking Mama down to the doctor again. The doctor? What's the matter with your mother? It's her bookend. Huh? <laughs> her bookends? What sort of a malady is that? Well, the bookend started all of Mama's troubles. What bookends? The ones you gave her for Christmas. We've been going to the doctors ever since. Well, I don't get it. I'm well, sorry. when you gave Mama the bookends, she didn't have anything to put between them. So, she had to buy a book. So? So, as long as Mama had the book, she thought she'd read it. So? So, she found out her eyes were bad, and Mama had to get glasses. So? So, Mama put on her glasses and tried to read the book, but her tongue was dry. Well, what has a dry tongue got to do with reading? Mama couldn't wet her thumb to turn over the pages. <laughs> so? Mama had to go to another doctor. And? He put her on a liquid diet. Today, Mama will know. Know what? If her tongue is moist enough to wet her thumb to turn over the pages in her book. Well, all right, and goodbye. <laughs> goodbye? I haven't introduced our guest. Well, I'm going to take care of that tonight, and you are excused. Uh, this evening, ladies and gentlemen, we welcome... This evening, ladies and gentlemen, we welcome Major Bowes, Amateur of the Month. He's a young man who scored a sensational hit on the Major's program recently, and tonight he makes his professional debut as our guest. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present Anthony Polamini.
Good evening, Anthony. Uh, Good evening, Major. No, no, that, uh... (laughs) Not Major, that was two weeks ago, Anthony. Now, don't tell me I'm starting to resemble the Major. No, Fred, I'm a little nervous, I guess. Well, you have nothing to be nervous about, Anthony. I heard you sing on Major Bo's show, and you were swell. And the Major and I have high hopes for your future. I hope you and the Major are right, Fred. Well, I'm sure when our audience hears you tonight, the opinion will be uh, the opinions will be unanimous. Say, tell me, Anthony, what is your voice? I'm a lyric baritone. And how long have you been working on your singing? I've been studying almost six years. Uh, Major Bowes said uh, your recent appearance on his uh, show was your second. That's right. The Major liked you so well, he uh, brought you back? No, it wasn't just like that, Fred. Just a bit different. Just the opposite. Well, well, how do you mean, Anthony? Well, the first time I went on the Major's program four years ago, I wasn't so good. Oh, a little bird told you? No, uh, the Major told me. Oh, there's a little difference, isn't there? Well, what did, uh, what, did he, uh, what did he say? The Major said I needed a lot more study. And you returned to your scales? I studied four years, and then I went back to the Major just to show him. Well, you certainly did show him. Now, how old are you, Anthony? I'm 22. And your ambition, like most young singers, is to sing at the Metropolitan, right? Yes, Fred, except that I would like to specialize in comic roles like Don Pasquale and Figaro. Well, are you going to sing an aria from one of these operas? Yes, Fred. I'd like to repeat the one I did for Major Bowes from the Barber of Seville. The Major liked that one, didn't he? Oh, yes. The second time, Major Bowes said a lot of nice things. Well, Major Bowes is a wonderful man, Anthony. Did you know that Major Bowes is not his real name? Did you ever hear how the Major happened to acquire his nom de plume? No. Well, I'll tell you. Major Bowes' real name is Colonel Phineas T. Higginbotham. About ten years ago, the Major, or Colonel Phineas, rather, was traveling through the West selling a termite destroyer for totem poles. (laughs) Well, sir, he stopped off uh, overnight in a small Indian village. And as the Colonel was resting on the porch of his trailer in the cool of the evening, two stunted Indians came up to him (laughs) and offered to make uh, make some genuine Indian souvenirs for the uh, Colonel at a slight fee. Well, Colonel Phineas agreed, and next morning, while he was having breakfast, two sets of beautifully decorated bows and arrows were delivered to him at the camp. Colonel Phineas went out on the porch of his trailer to pay off the two Indians who were waiting there for their wampum. He asked the red men what work each had done. The first Indian said, uh, Whittle your arrows. The second Indian said, uh, Made your bows. Well, sir... <laughs> that happened to be passing through there and heard that Indian say Major Bowes to the Colonel and they thought that was his name. Well, word was bruited about and to this day, Colonel Phineas T. Higginbottom is known as mm, Major Bowes. <laughs> what, what do you think of that, Anthony? Should I sing now, Fred? Yes, Anthony, I think you better. Bravo, 
fortunatissima per verità, fortunatissima per verità, la 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 Tutta la notte e il giorno sempre d'intorno in giro sta Signor Cucagna per un barbiere Vita di nobile non ci dà La 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 del mestiere con la donnetta col cavaliere con la donnetta col cavaliere la 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 Figaro, 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 Ladies and gentlemen, you are invited to join the Allen Anti-Worry League. No more furrowed brows, no more gnawed fingernails, no more... Wait just a minute, Fred. Just uh, what is this Allen Anti-Worry League? Uh, just what it says, Jimmy. It's my organization to suppress worry. Well, but it's natural to worry, Fred. Oh, but it's so useless, Jimmy. After all, worry doesn't pay. It wrinkles your forehead, it ruins your digestion, it shortens your life. So the motto of my league is, why worry? You know, I think you've got something, Fred. Worry is futile. I'll join the Allen Anti-Worry League. Well, fine, Jimmy. Now see if you can drum up uh, some more members for me. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, and prospective members of the Allen Anti-Worry League, there are a lot of things in this old world you could worry about. But why worry? For instance, 
Here are two of the 40 things about your car you could worry about. The water pump and the shackle bolts. Are they getting enough lubrication? Is the proper lubricant being used? But why worry when Texaco dealers promise you peace of mind if you just drive in for a Marfac job every thousand miles? Marfac, spelled M-A-R-F-A-K, is Texaco's 40-point chassis lubrication service. And remember, Marfac is no ordinary grease, but a lubricant specially made to stick to its job. Yes, when you stop for a Marfac job, Texaco dealers work by chart and not by chance. They check more than 40 different points and see to it that every vital friction spot in the chassis is protected with that super-tough chassis lubricant, Texaco Marfac. So why worry? Enjoy smooth driving. Next time, try a Texaco dealer. Texaco Star Theater continues immediately after a short pause for your station identification. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. WABC, New York. Sugar pie cut by <laughs> the only conductor in radio who gets laughs while he's conducting. Yes, <laughs> sure. uh, a small order of sugar pie cut by Al Goodman and his pastry philharmonic. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we turn to uh, we turn to Kenny. Kenny, wake up! Kenny, wake up! Wake up! What? Well, wake up. Now, you can't you can't doze off in the middle of the program like this. Oh, I'm sorry, F.A. I'm all in. I must have dropped off. What is it about this program that induces slumber? <laughs> oh, it isn't the program, F.A. Well, then what is suddenly making you nap-happy, uh, Kenny? I was at New Year's party last night. Boy, what a party. You had yourself a time, hey? Brother, the joint was jumping. Well, how, uh... <laughs> Uh, how long did the party last? About midnight, we ran out of Coca-Cola, so we broke it up. Penny, you weren't out until midnight. Yep, I must have had 40 cherry Cokes. Well, you ought to be ashamed of yourself, you ligget lush. But it's only one day in the whole year, F.A. And Wednesday is only one day in the whole week, Kenny Baker, but it happens to be the day that you have to work. Now, you cannot come reeling around here after a measly 11 hours sleep with that sassafras on your breath. Well, gee, I couldn't break up the party. What a mob of playboys. High flyers, huh? Scooters were lined up for two blocks. Everybody dressed, of course. You bet, and boy, was I hot. Top hat, white tie, and fur jackknife. 
wear the tile down your back, or did you carry it in your hand? Well, it sounds to me as though this affair was an orgy. It sure was. Along about 10 o'clock, a guy from Albany whipped out a Q-bab. A Q-bab? Yeah. He didn't light it. He sure did. Then he passed it around, and everybody took a puff. Kenny Baker, you didn't take a puff of that Q-bab. No, I was outside watching for cops. <laughs> a fine thing. Q-bab's, cherry cokes, cops. I kissed a girl, too. Kenny! Does that mean we're engaged? Well, no, not in this day and age, Kenny. Times have changed. When I was young and kissed a girl, do you know what it meant? Yeah, somebody was holding her. Now, <laughs> Just a minute. Now, look, I, I haven't always looked like this, you know. As a boy... As a boy, these bags under my eyes here used to blend into these to the cheeks like that, you see. They didn't hang down like they do today? Oh, no, not none of that. Why, I had long, wavy eyelashes and big, bushy eyebrows. Why, looking into my eyes was like peeking into a fuller brush man's sample case. But don't change the subject now, Kenny. I'm finding out about this debauchery of yours. Portland. Yes, Mr. Allen? Didn't you promise me that you would keep an eye on Kenny? Yes, I tried to keep him from going to that party last night, but Kenny has a mind of his own. What did he do? Rent it for the evening? <laughs> Why, this roistering has got to stop. Now, I have to find a way to make Kenny turn over a new leaf. This is New Year's, Mr. Allen. Kenny should make a resolution. Hello. Uh, just a minute, Mr. Goodman. Who told you to butt in here? Goodman's finger is moving down the page to where it says, Enter Goodman. I, Goodman, enter. Hello, he says. <laughs> what a reading. The Milton Cross of the Minsk Odessa Network. <laughs> Mr. Goodman, we're all starting the new year off right. Will you join us in a resolution? Nothing doing. And this I am saying in all sincerity. <laughs> what have you got against resolutions? You think my family left the old country because there they had daisy chains? <laughs> the word is resolution, not revolution. Resolution, revolution, as long as you keep running. <laughs> Mr. Goodman. Whom I happen to be. We know who you are. <laughs> One more word out of you, Mr. Goodman, and it will be from an ex-employee. One more word from a certain party, and I, Goodman, become automatically a picket. Well, I give up. Where <laughs> Oh, yes, our New Year's resolution. Oh, it's pretty hard to keep a resolution. I've got a resolution I bet I can keep. What is it, Teddy? I resolve never to break the traffic laws on the island of Yap. <laughs> Where is the island of Yap? It's in the South Seas. I saw it in a travelogue. The island of Yap. Well, what sort of a test of willpower is that if you're never going there? With my agent, do I know where I'm going to sing next? <laughs> when visiting the island of Yap in the South Seas, to my brother-in-law, say hello. What? Uh, two lines and he's got laryngitis. A man has two lines. <laughs> His throat is gone. Your brother-in-law... What is your brother-in-law doing on a South Sea island? Say, when they deport you, it ain't a far rockaway. Oh, that brother-in-law. Well, how is he getting along in the tropics? Already he's got a Broadway connection. Doing what? He's auditioning coconuts for Sloppy Joe's. <laughs> We're not getting any place with Kenny's resolution. Kenny's getting too 
sick Mr. Allen. He should make a resolution to be more happy. It's too late now, Porty. I'm a bitter boy. And why are you a bitter boy, Kenny Baker? Why did you get into all of that trouble with Dennis Day, overpaying that sightseeing bill and the other running around stuff? What is it that causes all of your worries and is making you unhappy today? I give up. It's money. Is it? Kenny, how many times have you told me that the happiest days of your life you spent as an errand boy working for the A&P? Yes. Those were the days. Pushing my little cart along, weaving in and out of traffic, singing merrily. You see? Now today you clink when you walk. You have money. Money has robbed you of that happiness, Kenny Baker. You think so, F.A.? Well, I know so. And if you want to be happy during 1941, there is only one resolution you should make. What, F.A.? Now, you resolve not to take any increase in salary this year. But that's not up to me, F.A. Suppose you insist on giving me a raise. I'll cooperate. Now, I won't offer you. Oh, I don't want to put you to any trouble. No sacrifice is too great, Kenny. After all, your happiness is at stake. Oh, but I'm thinking of your happiness, F.A. Two schmoozers. Who are they kidding? Now, quiet. <laughs> Mr. Goodman. Look, Kenny, to ensure your happiness in 1941, here is my first New Year's resolution. I resolve not to give you a raise. And I, Kenneth Baker, resolve that during 1941, I will not take a raise. It says in the script. A, <laughs> a shrewd move, Kenny. But now you can recapture that pixie outlook, a measure of that supreme contentment that was yours as an errand boy for the A&P. And now for your song. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, Kenny Baker... Oh, Mr. Allen. Yes, Kenny. I don't want to be a pig, but I would like to go even further with that resolution. Further? Yes. If I'm going to be as happy as I used to be, I wish you'd take $2 off my present salary. $2 off your present salary will make you happy as of yore? Why? Because then I'll be getting exactly what I got when I was an errand boy for the A&P. Thank you. And now, <laughs> now, ladies and gentlemen, Kenny Baker, the old A&P gypsy, sings, I'll Take You Home Again, Kathleen. Since 
May I use your microphone at once? Well, I don't. Uh... It's an emergency. I just ran all the way from the Bank Tellers Protective Association. I must warn the public at once. Well, if it's as important as all that... Ladies and gentlemen, the Bank Tellers Protective Association brings you an important warning. The next time you write the date on a check, please remember this. This is now 1941. Do not date your checks 1940. <gasps> Thank you. Is, is that all you wanted to say? Why, that seems like a trifle for a big piece of beef like you to be getting out of breath about. A trifle. Mr. Allen, tomorrow, unless they're warned, thousands of people will absentmindedly date their checks 1940. There will be a deluge of dud checks in every bank. Well, say, as an expert on duds and banks, you'll be interested in meeting an expert on duds and tanks. Let me present James Wallington, M.D., Master of Duds. There are duds and tanks, aren't there, Jimmy? Yes, and in carburetors, too. For despite all the gasoline in your tank, when you step on the start of these cold mornings, you're dependent on just a few chilled ounces of gasoline in your carburetor. And that's where duds, those sluggish, slow-action elements in gasoline, can really hold up your starting, weaken your battery. Duds simply won't vaporize instantly, won't take the spark fast. That's why the duds are removed by a special Texaco refining process. They're out, all out of Texaco fire chief. Yes, Fire Chief is all action. Takes hold quickly, fires evenly. Your engine picks up, warms up fast to full power. Next time, try a Texaco dealer and famous Fire Chief at regular gasoline prices. Remember, there's not a dud in a tank full. And now, uh, the Texaco workshop players start their 1941 season with a burlesque of one of radio's most popular programs, The Quiz Kids. Music, maestro. As their theme song fades, we bring to a close another five minutes of dance music played by Anatole Feinschreiber and his aristocrats of corn. Anatole Feinschreiber and his aristocrats may be heard again over the same station, but we doubt it. Good night. <laughs>
This is station KRUM. We regret to announce that the correct time, which was to be heard at this time, will not be heard at this time. Instead, the correct time, which was to be heard at 10 o'clock, will be heard at this time. Stand by for this substitute correct time announcement. When you hear this correct time signal at 10 o'clock, the correct time at that time will be exactly 10 o'clock. Thank you. And now, station KRUM presents... The Quiz Nippers. And here he is, that genial sophisticate, the custodian of our super-intelligent group of child prodigies, Kerry Jelly. <laughs> well, good evening, friends. Sitting in front of me here in their little high chairs, uh, here in the studio, are the original Quiz Nippers, four outstanding children who have been selected at random from the city's kindergartens. Now, before we start, I know you want to meet our junior brain trust, and first, from the Effie Eggleston Day Nursery, the tiny John Kieran, five-year-old Elmer Prentice. Say hello, Elmer. Hello. Elmer, Elmer. Is that the way we greet our radio friends? Oh, oh, yeah. Well, how do you do, members of my unseen audience? I trust we meet on a mutual mental plane. That's much better. That was little Elmer Prentice, folks. Now, here's our second quiz nipper the sage of the Lydia Pinkham Jr. Grammar School, Lilliputian Millicent Goon. The fall of Babylon occurred in 23 B.C. Not now, Witchcraft Millie. had its heyday in the Middle Ages. Well, thank you, The Gilbert. law of gravity was discovered by Sir Isaac Newton. Well, we're... Something fell on his head. And something is going to fall on your head, honey, <laughs> if you don't shut that tiny little trap. Oh, shoot. And, uh, uh Millicent. And uh, here is our, and here is our peewee music critic, Deems Taylor on the half shell. He's little Marvin Clapp. Good evening, symphony lovers. Well, you uh, you seem to have a head cold, Marvin. Yes, it was caused by the draft from Tuscan and his baton. Really? Yes, at his next concert, I must wear my windbreaker. Yes, you bundle up at Toskin in his next concert, Marvin. And now that brilliant little star of our program, uh, little Rollo. Say, Rollo's high chair is empty. Where is Rollo? Gee, I don't know. Isn't this the night Rollo lectures at Columbia? No, that's Tuesday. I saw him at lunch with Einstein. Oh, maybe Rollo's on information, please, tonight. No, no, Millicent, that's Friday night. Oh. Gad, this is terrible. Oh, jeez, it, Mr. Jelly. Here comes Mr. Crovney, our sponsor. No, see here, Jelly. Where is that other quiz nipper? Uh, Rollo is missing, Mr. Crovney. Missing? You know very well Rollo Keene is the star of this diaper forum. Yes. You just talked me into signing that kid for the entire season. Well, we can give a show without him. Ah, the quiz nippers without Rollo is like the Rochester program without Phil Harris. <laughs> We're on the air, Mr. Crovney. Well, you better start what's left of the program. I'll go out and look for Rollo. Yes, sir. And if I don't find him, Jelly, tomorrow you'll be back calling all men to Barney's. Goodbye. <laughs> well, that's an unrehearsed program for you folks. Anything can happen. Well, I guess we'd better get going with our quiz. Are we ready, Nippers? Yes, yes Mr. Jelly. Now, all right. Until Rollo gets here, we'd better try some easy questions. And our first question, kiddies, comes from Merton Merton of Wobegon, Oregon. And the question is, can you complete the following quotation? A stitch in time saves what? 
An appendix patient? No, no. No, Marvin. Uh, has it any geometrical significance, Mr. Jelly? No, Elmer. Oh. Well, this question is really too childish for your super minds, kiddies. I think I really should give you a hint. Now, the answer is a number. Is the number uh, seven? No, a stitch in time doesn't save seven, Millicent. You said it was a number. Yes, but the number we want is not seven. It is near seven? Yes, the number is between seven and ten. It is not eight. <laughs> it is nine? Nine is correct, Marvin. Oh, you little wonder kitty. Amazing little shavers, aren't they, folks? Now, attention. <laughs> Looks like somebody opened Ripley's back door. Now, attention, kiddies. This next sticker comes from Mrs. Higgamus Huggamus of Gopher Hole, Montana. Mrs. Huggamus wants you to name four pairs of famous lovers mentioned in history. Millicent? Romeo and Juliet? That's one. Marvin? Antony and Cleopatra? Two. Elmer? You and the sponsor's wife. Quiet, quiet. I saw you behind the water cooler. You weren't hugging a Dixie cup. <laughs> Witty little runt, isn't it? Well, we lose our first question, kiddies, and that sends $2 to Mrs. Higgamus Hoggamus. Oh, golly. Yes, we're not doing so well, kiddies. If Mr. Jelly pays out much more money tonight... He's not going to have enough money left to buy our ice cream sodas later. Oh, gee, I bet if Rollo was here, we wouldn't be missing these questions. Now, don't mention Rollo's name to me. I wonder where that little rat is. Oh, look, Mr. Jelly, here's Mr. Crovney. And Rollo's with him. Oh, Rollo. Oh, Rollo. Mr. Crovney, thank heavens, you found Rollo. Yes, I found him, Jelly, but a fat lot of good he is to us now. You mean something's wrong with the world's smartest sprat? You'll see what's wrong in a minute. Come over here, Rollo. Say something. Uh, hello, Mr. Jelly. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm late. <laughs> hey, what was that? A mixed duet? Mixed duet, my foot. Rollo's voice is changing. Yeah, I start talking soprano and I wind up... Uh, talking bass. It's mortifying. This is an adolescent crisis, Mr. Crow. You should have foreseen this, Jelly. But no, Rollo was our biggest attraction. I had to sign him for the entire season. What good is this brat's contract now? Oh, yeah? Try and bust my contract. You'll see how good it is. Uh, uh, I'll get Leibowitz. That's what I'll do. Yeah. The kid's a cad. He's got us with his voice down. Jelly, if you don't get this kid's voice back up in his nose until his contract runs out, I'm firing you on the whole show as of now. Say, I've got an idea, Mr. Crovney. The power of suggestion. It's the power of... The suggestion? Yes, Rollo. For my sake, for your sake, for the sake of the whole program, concentrate. Concentrate? Yes. On uh, what? Well, on, on childish things. If you think young, you'll talk young, Rollo. Yeah. Now, think of a yo-yo. A yo-yo. Yes, sir, a yo-yo. Uh, think of a top. A uh, top. Yes, sir, a top. Oh, oh wonderful. Yeah. You think this yogi stuff will do the trick, Jelly? It's got to, Mr. Crovney. Oh, I've got a movie magazine here. Yeah? I want you to look at these movie kids' pictures, Rollo. Uh, yes, Mr. Jelly. Now, look. Here's Baby Sandy. Oh, boy, Baby Sandy. <laughs> here's little Shirley Temple. Oh, Shirley Temple. <laughs> and here's uh, little Mickey Rooney. Oh, boy, Mickey Rooney. Congratulations, <laughs> Jelly. Rollo's voice is up again. You saved the show. Yes, Mr. Crovney. Just one more movie star's picture, Rollo, and you're cured. Yeah, Mr. Jelly. Turn a page. All right, Rollo. Hello? Yeah, I was it? A... Oh, Gad! His voice! What picture is he looking at? Hedy Lamar. Hedy Lamar? 
For heaven's sakes, Rollo, stop looking at that picture. Uh, it's too late, Mr. Jelly. Today I am a man. <laughs> Elliot's first thought for 1941. The next few moments are devoted to the entire petroleum industry by the Texas Company. When you change the license plates on your car this year, put on your new ones for 1941, here's something worth thinking about. If you're an average motorist, your mileage for the coming year will total about 8,500 miles. But note this fact. The average motorist today, compared to the average motorist in 1920, travels 4,250 miles each year for nothing as far as the cost of gasoline is concerned. Because the price of gasoline, minus taxes, has come down 50% since 1920. Yes, gasoline is cheap. But that's not all. For the petroleum industry has seen to it that you also get better products as well as more for your money. Well, thank you, Larry. This is Fred Allen saying good night for the more than 45,000 Texaco dealers from coast to coast. Good night. <laughs> Broadcasting system.